The title of the message this morning is The Housekeeper, The Traveler, and The Power Broker. The Housekeeper, The Traveler, and The Power Broker. And uh, before I begin, allow me to read our lead scripture in the book of Nehemiah chapter 10 from verse uh, 34 to verse 37. The Bible says, and I read, in King James Version, I read, And we cast the lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God. After the houses of our fathers, at times appointed year by year, to burn upon it the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. 35. And to bring the first fruit of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of all trees year by year unto the house of the Lord. Also the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle as it is written in the law and the firstlings of our herds and of our flocks to bring to the house of our God and to the priests that minister in the house of our God. 37. And that we should bring the first fruit of our dove and our offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine and of oil, unto the priest, to the chambers of the house of our God, and the tithes of our ground, unto the Levites. And the same Levites must have the tithes in all the cities of our tillage. Lord Jesus, bless your word and reveal your mind, your heart, and your power, even as we share this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the mood or in the season of uh, raising money for the new land that we want to have and the new building we want to construct. And as a result, it is true we need contribution. We need to meet the targets. But a few things need to be brought to our attention this morning. And the few things is, how do we make it happen? How do we realize 100 million? Then later on, how do we realize 400 million? That is what I want us to share this morning. How to make this mega project a reality. Now imagine you are in my shoe. How hard is that? <laughs> and yet we believe the Holy Spirit is going to help us. Amen? We have three men in this altar. And I want to use them to, to make us understand how do we pull such a project through? How do we make such a project happen? How do we come to a place where the highest of the highest is still attained by the grace of God? That is why we need to speak this morning. By the end of the message, I hope you will walk here believing that with God, nothing is impossible. These men are sitting at an altar, and I want us to really pay attention. These men are sitting at the altar. And one of the reasons why the children of Israel went back to slavery, even after Moses had saved them from their slavery, they went back to slavery is because they neglected the altar. Men did not know that they were expected to make a regular and systematic contribution to the altar. Men did not know that the altar will not sustain itself. It is on them to make the altar to be sustained. Men forgot that the offerings to be offered in the altar needed physical wood that had to be brought by physical men and women. Men forgot that every time the priest was going to the Holy of Holies, even to sprinkle that blood he was going to sprinkle, there was a need for a man to facilitate that, for a man to make that happen. When they forgot their duties to the altar, slavery came. And slavery did not lift till this moment when Nehemiah the priest is guiding them through not only spiritual repentance, but uh, societal reconstruction. 
They were now told, listen, all of you, as we have read in verse 34, all of you by family, you must agree on what is your contribution to the altar. No family is to be vague when it comes to the altar. No family is to be general when it comes to the altar. The altar requires a steady, steadfast, and determined contribution from each family. Men have come to think family, like now mine, which has just formed the other day, that family is just for social reason. That we go, get a house, pay rent, you know, meet the bills, and after that family is done. According to God, each family has a specific contribution they are expected to bring to the altar. Some may bring their skills. Some may bring their talent. Some may bring their IQ. Others may bring, you know, their ideas. Others may bring money. But whatever must be brought, according to the scripture we have just read, it must be brought steadily without failure. I was telling Mama in the office when we were taking a break after first service. But one of the greatest pillars of our current modern civilization was engineered through family. The Wilbur brothers who gave us the aeroplane, they were two brothers. Out of that single family arose a whole aviation industry that is now employing millions of people around the world. When God wanted to give us the aviation industry, he gave us, first of all, the family of the Wilbers. Their grandfather was a, was a bishop. But the grandchildren decided to do something different. They decided to become inventors. When God wanted also to take the banking industry to the next level, two brothers came up. They were called Barclay. So when the two of them came up, they decided now to name the bank Barclays. And their systems, the brothers were used to institute that have never left the banking industry the same. Banking is as a result of a family. And there's another family I don't want to mention on this microphone. There was also another family that decided, <laughs> I was reading when I was a teenager, that a young man read a scripture in the Bible in the King James Version, Mama Mwai. And it was written, this message of the gospel shall be published. And he said, wait a minute, this message of the gospel will be done what? Published. And when he rose up, he said, wait, I must publish this thing literally. That man was called Zondervan. He called his brother to the garage where he had read that simple scripture. This gospel will be published. He said, wait, my brother, we are going to form a publishing company. We are going to publish the scripture like nobody has ever published. Most of the Bibles you are holding in your hands, they came out of a family. And I could talk about Levi, who joined with his other brother. And he decided, we want to chemically process food at another level. Today we have Unilever, but it was a family. I know I'm not worthy to give you a pep talk about family, but at least I wear a ring. Give me my, give me my dues, eh? At least I wear a ring. But this is my point. But families have always carried the vision of God. Family have always carried the hopes of civilization. Families have always carried the, the beauty of tomorrow. It's like the paintbrush to paint tomorrow is kept in the locker of families. Now you understand why the devil will do anything to kill families. He will do anything to stop families. He will do anything to split up families. Because he knows there could be another Zondervan. He knows there could be another Wilbur Brothers. He knows there could be another Unilever. He knows there can be another Barclays. So these people discovered, okay, the altar of God needed to be sustained. And we needed to bring our contributions regularly and steadfastly. Oh, we needed to tell our children, every Sabbath, you go to that house, you are a Levite, stick to your place. You are a priest, stick to your place. You are a general populace, stick to your place. I hope you have read here, by the way, these three groups. There was the Levites, in 30, 34, there was number one, the priest coming down the Levites, then the people. The priest was going to enter to the Holy of Holies, but to be facilitated to enter the Holy of Holies, he needed the Levites. 
Without the Levite, there was no going to be priests. But the Levites did not, were not allowed by God to farm and to do business. So they needed the people to facilitate them to do their job. Not every man in this church will hold this microphone. Some are chosen to hold it. And every time they hold it, God comes down. But others are to facilitate this microphone to enter these hands. One of them even brought it in front of me before I came here to preach. This man is not, is not you, is not, you know, lesser equal. He is only specially designated. He is a Levite, while the one now holding it is a priest. But some are neither priests nor Levites. They are the people, yet they are still important to the economy of God. Are you hearing me? The work of God will never be stranded provided people understand their roles. Sometimes a priest can be so anointed only for the Levites to sleep on their job and the anointing will not flow. The glory will not come and the work of God will suffer. We are, we are going home after this. I was telling the first service that the altar call today is very simple. We are going home after this. And we are going to sit our children for those with the children. We are going to sit down our grandchildren for those with the grandchildren. We are going to sit down our fiancés for those who are not married but are planning to get married. We are going to have a sit down. And we are going to agree that this family will not just be a social phenomenon. This family will not just be fulfilling a social contract. This family will have a specific economic contribution to the altar of Jesus Christ. But every time the altar is calling, this family will respond according to the ability that it has been given from heaven. Every time the altar is in need, this family will rise up and will bring to that need the specific contribution. Every time I see the priest, I usually fear because they may fail. Many times the failure is not with the priest. The failure is with the Levite. There are days, and uh, I cover all who shall listen to this by the blood of Jesus. There are days I've come to this church to minister. And the power was so much, the glory was so much. But there was no microphone. And all that God was doing did not reach the people it was meant to reach. What happened in that moment? The priest was ready, but the Levite was asleep. And there are times I've watched the Levites ready to facilitate the priest, but the economic block that gives them their power called the people were asleep. And so the Levite could not report to work. Who is the Levite? I repeat, the Levite is the one who facilitates the priest. He facilitates the man who brings the glory down. People of God, I know you don't feel you are a preacher. It is okay. I know you don't feel you are called. It is okay. But remember, in the altar of God, there is a place for the people. There is a place for the Levite. There is a place for the priest. In the altar of God, there are those who, when the glory comes, they will receive it like they were born to receive it. There are those who will facilitate them to receive it. There are those who will facilitate those who facilitate. And if you understand this, these 100 million we are trying to raise, oh, oh, we will laugh our way to the bank because it will be there in no record time. Because the ancient temple was not made of bricks and stones and cement. It was made of pure gold. Gold from people whose main occupation was farming. Don't joke with God. When the pattern of God is fulfilled, it doesn't matter the industry of the people. When the pattern of God is honored, it doesn't matter the occupation of the people. When the pattern of God is adhered to, it doesn't matter. We will build not by economy. We will build by the pattern. Those called to be priests will remain in their priesthood. Those called to be Levites to facilitate the priest will remain in their levite hood. And those called to be people will remain in their place as the people. And before we know it, we shall make it not by fundraising, but by covenant. Listen to me. The world progresses by philanthropy. We will progress by covenant. The world does it by fundraising. 
with us, we make it by patterning. Thank God I still have 30 minutes. So we are going to have a good talk. Amen? Jesus, before I go to Jesus, allow me to rub something. Not all of you who come to the altar as a family will bring the same kind of contribution. Not all of you will just bring money. Because as uh, those of you who have children will tell us, not all children are the same. Some children may not have money, but when they hold the mic to sing, money will come. Some children may not have the singing, but when they go to the internet and they come up with designs, entrepreneurs who are looking for opportunity to, to, to do something will run for them. Some will never even make it to the altar. As long as they are at the back and they are faithful to what they were called to do, the glory will come down and God will be glorified. So the reason I have these three is to spread out the different kinds of contributions that one family, one single family can bring. One family can just be bringing one uniform contribution. Another family can be bringing one uniform contribution. Another can carry two. But another can be blessed to carry three. These are the three I want to explain so that we can understand that despite the amount of money the committee is quoting to us, we can laugh our way to the bank. We will get it done. Are we ready? So Jesus had three men who helped his economy to grow. The economy of Jesus, I usually call it the New Testament church. The Bible says, I will build my church. That was his, it, it was like a sole proprietorship. It was like a business venture. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So Jesus as a sole proprietorship business, he wants to do, he wants to see succeed. And he picked three different kinds of people. And by the time these three men were done, my God, the Bible was over. I used to stand here a while back and I said, the Lord Jesus met Peter in uh, Matthew 4.18 and he met him casting the net. Uh, in the same Matthew 4.20, he meets John mending the net. But in Acts chapter 9, he meets Paul standing. He meets Paul traveling. Let's go back to Peter. The same Peter in the last chapter of John, which is John chapter 21, the Bible says, Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to tend after my sheep. I want you to feed my sheep. Peter was the housekeeper. There are children God is going to give us. Some already we have who are going to be housekeepers. They will keep the church internally intact. And I was explaining to the first service, anytime Peter had, anytime he had the sheep, you know, whatever they were doing, they were crying when they are born. Peter could rush to cover them. Peter could rush to give them identity. Peter could rush to nurture them. How do we see this? We see it in uh, Acts chapter 2. When the people are saved, immediately Peter preaches to them and they get saved and they are converted. The next chapter, they begin to come daily at the apostles' feet and to learn the apostles' teachings. Every day, Peter began to nurture. Peter began to be their housekeeper. Peter was entrusted with feeding the sheep, keeping the status quo, keeping the church running normal. And Peter did it faithfully. As long as he did it faithfully, the Bible proves to us no single member of that church ever lacked. Not spiritually, but physically speaking. Why is the body of Christ stranded? Why is the body of Christ not making it? The body of Christ is not making it because the housekeepers have forgotten their place. Some of you, you know very well in your art of arts that you should be teaching the new disciples in this local congregation. Some of you know very well that every day you report here, you should be smiling and hugging people and making them feel like they should come to church next week. Even, or even though they sin during the week, they feel for the sake of so-and-so, let me keep coming. And you are forgetting, you are forgetting. But through housekeeping, you are keeping the economy running. 
If I was a Nigerian preacher, I would say, ask your neighbor, are you a housekeeper? You know? And the housekeepers are smiling. Some of them are my friends. They owe me a high five after this because I've really helped them. Now, Peter is housekeeping. Peter is keeping it cool. The next chapter of, uh, of Acts chapter 8, he hears that Philip has gone to preach in Samaria and people are converted. They are young children and he took James and John and they dashed to Samaria and they laid hands on them and they made sure they were filled with the spirit and they began to teach them. Peter never left the harvest exposed to the wind. Peter was always careful that the little we gain in God must be preserved. Peter was always making sure that those who have begun must keep going. Those who are climbing must keep climbing. And we need Peters in this house. We need Peters. We need Peters because as they are keeping their house intact, the blessings that were meant to locate that house will eventually locate that house. Then I go to my friend. I will skip John. Because I usually have a bias for John. I will speak so many wonderful things about John. I'll go to my friend. Stand up, my brother. It's an order. Next time, don't be a friend of the preacher. Come up. Now, I want you to begin walking. Just keep walking. So, this is Paul walking. This is Paul walking when Jesus meets him in Acts chapter 11. And he's walking and he does not know as Jesus has made me walking. I will always keep walking for the rest of my life. I will always keep going to the foreign lands. I will always keep meeting the foreign cultures. I will always keep connecting to those foreign people. As long as I walk as Paul, I will be a contributor to the economy. Not by sitting, but by walking will I be contributing. Men of God, listen to me. Women of God, children of God, listen to me. Not all of us are called to be housekeepers. Some of us are adventurers. So as Paul is walking to Corinth, he meets a funny culture there and he blends in, but he converts it. As Paul is walking, he goes to Ephesus, he meets a funny culture there, he blends in, he changes it. As Paul keeps walking, he goes to Rome, he meets funny people, he converts them. And as long as Paul kept walking, the church kept growing. The problem today, let me call you again, Mama Mwai. The problem today with the church Pastors want those who sit down. Any walking, walking sheep is a problem. Any walking, walking sheep is a nuisance. Oh, pastor, I feel the spirit want me to go to Narok. I need to reach out to those Maasai's. Who knows there's a Maasai there. By the time he's converted, he may bring even physical benefit to that church. The church did not grow by Peter sitting. It grew by Peter sitting in combination with Paul walking. And some of you parents, you need to release your children who want to walk. Some of them want to go abroad. Let them go. Some of them want to marry outside their tribe. Let them marry outside your tribe. And have not been sent. So Paul is walking. Paul is discovering. If Paul was a modern day preacher, he would be a man who can speak 10 languages. If Paul was a modern day preacher, he would be a man with a talk show, hosting different people. Provided there is an expansion, provided there is dynamism, Paul is at home. You kill that dynamism, you have killed Paul. There is a dynamism that will make the church grow. There is a dynamism that will make even you to grow. And if you discover you are the sitting type, hang around the walking type so that your life can have a balance. Tell your neighbor, let your life have a balance. Thank you, Paul, for walking. Oh, what a service. Now we come to my favorite guy. The man who I can't fail to mention because I love him. I love his spirit. But I also hate what he has to go through to be who he is. This man is John. When Jesus met him, he was mending the net. And one time we explained the meaning of casting the net, which is evangelism. Mending the net, which is the prophetic. You tie people around the heart of Jesus. That is the true essence of the prophetic. John 
was a prophet. But John had a punishment upon his life. Those of you who want to be prophetic, listen to this punishment. In Luke chapter 9 verse 55, Jesus rebukes him and he tells him, You do not know the spirit you are made of, you boy. You do not know. John had talked. All these chapters, John has never talked. You go read your scriptures. There is nowhere where John talked apart from two places. Number one, it was him talking. Number two, in Matthew 20, 20, his mother is talking. Again, Jesus rebuked the mother. John was never allowed to talk. Peter can talk and get away with it. Peter can say anything and it will fly. John cannot try that. Because John has been hidden for a mystery. John has been hidden for depth. John has been hidden for deep stuff. And some of you, as we are speaking, already you are saying, oh, that daughter of mine. I didn't know she's John. Oh, that son of mine. Oh, I wanted him to be bold in speaking publicly, speaking his mind. Oh, I didn't know. It is a gift, not a weakness. Because not all our children will be kimbelembele. Some of you used to be noisemakers, so you think all your children should be noisemakers in class. Suddenly, the teachers are telling you, we don't know what is wrong with him. He is hardly expressing his mind. You don't know that this is John, who was punished for talking. He didn't abuse anybody. He just talked, and that was wrong. Because prophets should not talk. Prophets should be a mystery. Prophets should be hidden in God. By the time they give one sentence, heaven and earth should tremble. The reason why some of you are not powerful prophets is because you see where I'm going, eh? You talk. Because also you travel a lot. How can you be a prophet and you are everywhere? Every house you are entering. Every, every idea is in your head and in your mouth. Prophets should shut up. And be hidden in God. By the time they take their pen to write, God himself is writing. By the time they are holding the mic, God himself is holding the mic. By the time they are writing that book, God himself is writing the book. So that was the portion of John. And I love John because to a large extent, I identify with John. To a large extent, one of the most beautiful men in the New Testament was this man. But listen to me. This is where the bone is going to meet the knife. The knife has been dancing far. Now it is about to eat the bone. Nobody determines the economy of God better than this man. Peter can shout. Paul can travel. But if the church is going to survive tomorrow, John must stand up and say it will survive. If John does not stand up, there is no, there is no church of tomorrow. By the time Peter is done, with his business. And Paul is done with his business of writing. You go to the book of Revelation. And you see John taking his pen. And counseling and rebuking. All these works these people have done. I like. I was quoting for the first service. Uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. How John begins to rebuke the church of Ephesus. Who built Ephesus? Paul. And he begins to say, ah, I know. The Lord is saying, I know your works. I know your labor. You have tested those who are call, calling themselves apostles and they are not. They are false. But I have this thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. And John goes to the next church. I wish I could walk on this is just to stress my point. That be careful with those who don't seem to be saying much, yet they carry much. Be careful with those who don't seem to be traveling the world like you. Yet by the time they open their mouth, they will reduce those 50 years of yours to five minutes. Oh, you know, I have this and I have this and, and you talk like... I was telling my, my wife when she was told, Mrs. Joshua, don't, don't begin to swell. And she laughed. But this is the point. John will come and find you swollen and John will reduce you. If you are outside the plan of God. That's why I fear John. And I also love him. And I love all those who look like John. Because they keep me sober. So how will the church grow economically? The church will grow through our skipping. We need the Levites in the house. Hallelujah Levites. We need the priests in the house. Hallelujah priests. 
We also need the people in the house. Hallelujah, people. After that, also, we need adventurous men. Men who tell us, oh, Pastor, I have discovered a new way to raise funds. It doesn't have to come here. It can go like this. And it is all in the plan of God. I was telling the first service, God wanted to bless the early church in the 15th century by bringing in the best minds in the world. People like Copernicus, people like, uh, people like, uh, uh, Galileo Galilei. And he wanted to bring these people to church because they were going to take the church to another level of relevance. But they were persecuted because they were not walking the script of the priests of the day. These were travelers. So when they came to the housekeepers, they were punished. I pray for the housekeepers. Hallelujah, housekeepers. May they be open-minded. Because the travelers will come with something they are not expecting. And provided God has not said no to it, let it go. Because as uh, Gamaliel said in the book of Acts, if this thing is of God, it will stand. If it is not of God, what will happen? It will come to nothing. And I speak to young people. I myself also being young. Do not fear adventure. There are places you can only go when you are still young. One time I'm in Congo with my friend, my God, the thick of the forest. And he asked me, apart from the fact that we are trying to make money, what else is the benefit of coming here? I told him, but we are getting stories for our grandchildren. What's wrong with you? The beautiful thing plays out. We don't have time to read it now. First Kings chapter 18. Three people begin to interact beautifully. Oh my God, this is going to be beautiful. One of them was a king. He had a palace. The other was the servant of the king. So he used to be in the palace and also in the king's business in the fields and in the regional provinces. But another was a prophet. This king was called Ab. He had a kingdom. He had children. We agreed in the first service. He had 70 sons. Some of you think you can give children, eh? 70. 70 sons. 70 children. And this guy called Obadiah, he was the, he was the runabout. He was the man to go between the temple, the, 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 the palace and go to the fields. And one of those days when he's walking in the, in the, in the fields, he meets this man called Elijah. And they begin to have a chat. A chat I want to really drill home by the power of the Holy Spirit. The king as a beautiful wife. What was her name? Jezebel. She was foreign born. We like to call them that. Foreign born. Beautiful. Strategic. Brilliant. This man called the prophet Elijah does not have a wife. The king has 70 sons and counting. This man has no single son. The king has a palace. This man lives in a rock. On top of the rock. The man has nowhere to sleep. He has a rock. He sits on a rock. Sometimes he enters a cave. And that is how he lives his life. The king is dressed in fine linen. This one is tied with a, a, a camel guard. You know, a dried camel skin tied around his waist. His chest, you could see it. The king has horses and chariots. This one walks on foot. If he has to really catch up with you, he must take off like a, a sprinter. He must run physically. And this is where the thing gets beautiful. And I want this to enter your, your heart and then to permeate your life. Amen? This man will determine whether that beautiful woman will be buried or not buried. By the time Elijah says, in the name of the God of Israel, whom you have defied, you Jezebel, you will be licked by dogs and your flesh will be chewed by dogs on the walls. Not even, not even in your house, on the walls of the city. My God. By the time the man spoke, nothing could reverse it. This man is bragging with horses he is riding on. Little does he know that the water the horses are going to drink and the grass they are going to chew depends on this man. By the time this man locks the heavens, the horses come to nothing. This man has 70 sons. By the time the anger of the God of this man
man is done burning. The sons are slain in one day. Because he said it. This man has a palace. This one has a cave. Yet the economy of this palace is being run from this cave. Hey, Ab, you look at yourself. You are dressed well, my God. The Bible says, and Ab was pierced by a certain arrow. And as he sat on his chariot, the dogs licked his blood. So every covering he had, the armor of gold, of silver, and of bronze that he carried as a king came to nothing because of this man who dwelt in a cave. In the New Testament, this will be John. In the old... <laughs> In the Old Testament, that will be Peter. I was skipping, but he doesn't know that the house is based not on his strength, but on the strength of this mystic, of the strength of this prophet. People of God. There are two sources of our power. There is the visible force, uh, force and there is, there is the invincible force. There is what we can see. There is what we can't see. There is what we can touch. There is what we can't touch. Paul now says in 1 Corinthians that fixing our hands, no, 2 Corinthians, fixing our eyes on the things we cannot see. For what we cannot see is more real. Another word for it is it is more consequential than what we cannot see. And today, whenever we find men dwelling in caves, men who have no payslip to prove it, men who have no papers to prove it, men who have no societal standing to prove it, we think they are losers. Not forgetting, one tear from their eye can cause that palace call our company to collapse. We are going home to do our altar call with our children. But please, let the children who want to dwell in caves, dwell in caves they will still be great by dwelling in the caves. I let them, oh, those who feel they are strong enough, they are charismatic enough to have palaces, let them have palaces. I let those who want to play between the palace and the cave, play between the what? The palace and the cave. Because as you let children be, as you let your family be, as you let your neighbor be, the kingdom will be established and nothing will be lacking. Now listen. Had Ab listened to this caveman, had Ab not argued, argued with this caveman, despite of his weaknesses, he would have been sustained. Had Ab not begun to terrorize this man and to allow his wife to terrorize this man and to allow his officials to terrorize this man, Ab could have been spared. Some of you coming from families with issues, not because people are not learned, but because people do not know the place of the cavemen. People do not know the place of the cavemen. One tear from their eyes, one speech from their mouth can dry the economy of your horses. As I stand here, there are people looking at me right now. And I'm not saying this with bitterness. I'm saying this with the fear in my heart. There are people looking at me and they are wondering, ah, so you are talking because you have nothing. You are talking because you are the crying type. Yes, I'm the crying type. I am proud to be the crying type. But through my tears, through my being nothing in the cave, God has always pulled the economy of the palace right to my feet. If you are born for the cave, stick to the cave. If you are born for tears, stick to tears. If you are born for the altar, stick to the altar. Because one minute, heaven will say, there is going to be rain. And through you, there will be rain. One minute, heaven will say, there is going to be drought. And there will be drought. So how will the project of the church be done? This is how the project of the church will be done. Those who know in their hearts and in their families that they carry the power of the palace, they will report to the altar and keep reporting to the altar. Those who know that, yes, I love the palace, but I also love the cave, and I'm just there. I, I, I do business, but I also do ministry. I, I go to work, but I also spend a lot of time in prayer. Those who know they are in between, they shall stick to being in between. Hallelujah. 
And those who know that me, as long as, 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 as I'm vibrating in the Holy Ghost and calling on angels and on Spirit of God to come, Spirit of God will come. Those who know they belong to the cave, they will remain in the cave. They will remain in the presence. And guess what will happen? This is what will happen. Paul writes of it beautifully in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul says, hey, I thank God for the Macedonians because these people are a rare breed. Their giving was not out of abundance, but out of poverty. But as, as we kept looking, we discovered, no, there was a grace on them just to give. They were no longer giving by the virtue of their resources. There was a grace on them just to give. They were giving by grace, not by ability. What are we seeing there? There are three ways to live. Number one, you live by resources. Oh, I have a salary, I have a payslip, I have resources, I have a business. That is the first way to live. Second way to live, you live out of poverty, but you are still depending on God. Meaning, you don't have a job, you don't have property, you don't have business. But there is a way God sustains you till he takes it other way, the way he decides. But the third way, which I want us to all capture, is where you live by the grace. A grace comes on you just to have property. And you don't know how you own them, but you just own properties. A grace comes on you to own vehicles. You don't know how they multiply, but they just multiply. A grace comes on you to acquire and to multiply. And you don't know how you multiply, but grace just made you multiply. We are not going to do it by poverty. We are not going to do it by resources. We are going to do it by grace. Do you know God can decide it is time for everybody to get property, property, property. And you come here even as a new member and a property just comes from wherever it comes from. These are things I've seen. I should tell pastor, pastor, siku ya kusota ni siku ya kusota. Na siku ya kuvuma ni siku ya kuvuma. The day to shine is the day to shine. But what makes the day just to be the day? It is a grace God pours out. And I want to say in this altar, in the name of Jesus, there is going to be grace. There is going to be a release of grace. Men shall find themselves doing it and not knowing how they did it. Women shall find themselves doing it and not knowing how they did it. Men shall find themselves achieving and not knowing how they achieved it. But how do we provoke grace? We must give way to diversities. Diversities of callings. Not all will be in the caves. Not all will be in between. Not all will be in the palace. Not all will be housekeepers. Not all will be travelers. Not all will be power brokers. Why do I call this guy a power broker? Because the tears of this man, the prayers of this man, will determine whether those two are existing or not. And Deliverance Church in Gongorod and the body of Christ in general. I beg us, let us go back to the place of prayer. Let us go back to the place of the presence. Let us go back to the place of the, the glory of the Lord. Because as we sit there, the economies that have been dancing and, and, and getting out of hand, God will bring them to order. Mama Florence, there were days the world came to the church to beg to give. The world begged the church. Oh, I want to give. I want to give. Some of the largest churches in the world were not built by more than three people. They were built by three people. As the men kept doing what they were called to do, some were called to evangelize. They just kept evangelizing. Others were called to teach the word and travel around empowering the people as they kept to their place. As some of them were just kept in the place of prayer, people began to have dreams that they should go to that church. People began to have encounters. People began to have impressions. I just want to go there and do whatever they need to be done. I remember Pastor Lai giving a testimony of how he bought the first beach house he owns. A Muslim was told by God, go give the man of God that house. And the Muslim came and he said, God told me to give you this house. So I am vacating it. Where did he meet the man of God? Did he meet him with, with, with house agencies? Oh, do you have a vacant house, house for sale? No. The man of God knows I have been called to be a housekeeper. 
I have been called to take care of the sheep and I will keep there and that address of mine, one day it will speak visibly in the spiritual realm. And the people to locate that address will locate it. This is how you are going to revolutionize your family. This is how you are going to change your family. You are going to determine, this is our address as a family. We may, having, we may be having three different children, but all these children must be faithful to report to their desk at the altar. They must be faithful. If they are the singing type, they must come and sing. If they are the ones for drums, they must play the drums. If they are the ones for the keyboard, they must play the keyboard. As long as they do it faithfully, in the way God has ordained, the heavens will begin to see their visibility and their address will begin to be prominent. And resources will come. Resources do not come to a non-specified address. No wonder Paul is told when he's still sold. Go to the house of Ananias. Not of Ananias. Of, 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 of Simon the, 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 the Tanner. He is there. Sit there. You shall be told what to do. As Paul is there faithfully. That time is still sold. A man sees a vision. Let me go to this man. Let me lay hands on him. Let him be set free. Had Paul not known his address. Remember, Paul is a traveler, okay? So to tell a traveler to sit down for three days without food in his stomach. And Paul sat there for three days without food in his stomach. As he sat in his place of assignment, his place where he was told, wait here. He didn't know there was an arrangement within the same economy. The economy of God is one, but it must be respected. The men to sit must sit. The ones to walk must walk. The ones to stay in the caves and wait on God must stay in the caves and wait on God. So as Paul is there, the book of Corinthians, the book of Ephesians, the book of uh, Galatians, all these books were being prepared now to manifest. Young people, listen to me. It, will, it may not be done at once, but you must start somewhere. You, must not, you might not write all the books of the Bible in the, in the house where you are. But as you wait there faithfully, the Lord will start off a reaction, a chain reaction that will lead you to the peak of where God wants to take you. So as I finish, this is my plea to all of us. Let us have what I call family vision. The family you have may, may be broken. The family you have may be dysfunctional. The family you have may be large or small. It may be scattered or united, but you have a duty to pray in a vision. You have a duty to ask the Lord, what was the intention you had for us? Were we to produce Elijah's? Or were we to produce Obadiah's? Or were we to produce the kings like Ahab? Or were we to produce a combination of both? Because as long as families are faithful to that specific place they are ordained to, to be, the economy of God will never suffer. And for those of you looking for children, and for those still expecting children, let your prayer be this. Lord, not my agenda, but your agenda through these children. Not my agenda, but your agenda through these children. Not my direction, but your altar for these children. One time I rebuked my father. I told him, Dad, the problem with you, you took all your children to the best schools, but none of them did you take to the altar. So today they are all learned, but none of them is blessed. That was the last time we ever sat in that village to have a committee meeting. They went to all these nations, Germany, Britain, name it, and all of them have these layers of papers. But you look for that blessing, it is not there. Why? They were taken to schools. None was taken to the altar. None was told, this is how you cry to God. Am I speaking? None was told, this is how you give to God. This is how you beg God. This is how you connect to God. And the altar call, all of you, I charge you to go and make. Ask the Lord to show you the place your family from today henceforth must occupy in the altar. Will you do that? Will you do that? Let's be on our feet in Jesus' name. Before I sit down, in two minutes, I want to make a prayer. Am I allowed to make it? This is a prayer I want to make. That the curse of identity crisis will leave families. The curse of identity crisis will leave families. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That none of your children will begin to wonder, Dad, apart from school, what else with life? They will know there is more to life than school. Oh, Dad, uh, why am I getting late to, you know, to, to get to this point, to get to that point? They will not be in a hurry. They will be so lost in God. Time will not be time anymore. 
The altar is a way of bridging time, my people. The altar is a way of bridging lost opportunities. The altar is a way of making what was lost to be found. The altar is a way of making the blind to see. The altar is a way of making those who are paralyzed and crippled to begin walking, not only physically, but even spiritually and socially. And Lord, I lift a prayer to, for your people this morning. As all of them have faith, I pray, let the altar begin to speak on their behalf. Let the altar begin to manifest on their behalf. Let them understand that it is not time for philanthropy. It is time for covenant. But Lord, though the world is using philanthropy to make things happen, us, we will use covenant to make things happen. Though the world have targets, with us we will have the glory. And the glory will reduce our targets to nothing. So that what is impossible with men shall be possible with God. Tonight, this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus that every family identity crisis will be broken in the name of Jesus. Every identity crisis in family will be broken in the name of Jesus. Men shall know how to be men on behalf of God. Women shall know how to be women on behalf of God. That the altar will no longer suffer. The altar will produce. There will be production at the altar. For men shall respond with identity that is clear from the Lord Jesus. Women shall also respond with an identity that is clear from the Lord Jesus. And Lord, I repent on behalf of those who have castigated the other. Lord Jesus, there are those who feel because they are prophetic, then those who are in the palace do not matter. And there are those who feel because they are in the palace, those who are in the caves do not matter. Today we say, we are all members of one body. We are all members of one body. The feet shall move, O Lord. The hand shall begin to cast my father. The heart shall begin to feel and the mind shall begin to think. No longer shall the church be in, in a sort of imbalance. There will be balance in the body of Christ. This ministry shall be balanced. The men and the women called even to bring things to this altar will bring the things they need to bring to the altar. And we remove your people from the self-pity. We decree it is not time to have self-pity. It is time to have an identity in Christ Jesus. It is time for kings to rise and be kings. It is time for the travelers to arise and begin to travel. It is time, my father, for those who make power to happen, to make power to happen. Bless our children who are called to dwell in caves. Bless them who are called to dwell in palaces. Bless them who are called to dwell in between. And let them enjoy being themselves. We bless diversity. We do not tolerate it. We bless it, Lord. We welcome it in this house. We welcome it in our lives. We welcome it in our children. That all of them shall become what you wanted them to become. And as a result, the curse that drove the men to exile shall never be near us, oh God. You are here and you are saying, man of God, I have walked in that identity crisis. I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. May you receive your identity. May you cause also those around you to receive their identity. We rebuke every confusion. We rebuke every competition. We rebuke every pettiness. We bring men to their place. And we sit them in their place of their residence. We command them to thrive in their uniqueness. And we prophesy to the need of this house for land and a building. We decree we shall not just contribute money. We shall bring gifts through our children. We shall bring talents through our children. We shall bring honor through our children. We shall bring music through our children. We shall bring instrumentalists through our children. This house and the whole body of Christ will be thriving with diversity. And the world shall come to see. The world shall come to spectate. This we decree in Jesus' name. Thank you. God bless you.